Hello and welcome to the Butterfly Empire. It is me, your Butterfly Queen. And just to let y'all know, I have been working on a website for my podcast. It is thebutterflyqueen.link. So, I'm still working on it, so I need some updates here and there. But so far, it's coming along very well, very nice. It is already published, so you darn the internet, la di da. So, this one is called Love Kills Valentine's Day Murders. Of course, for Valentine's Day. Yeah, no. Okay. Laura Tennyson said it was better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. But he probably wasn't referring to these horrific Valentine's Day murders. Hmm, probably not. Some of these crimes remain unsolved and others have been closed by authorities. All are grim. Wonderful reminder that not everyone is buying chocolates for loved ones on Valentine's Day. So, let's get this party started. The first story of the evening. Another Columbia High tragedy. In 2000, Columbia High School sweethearts Stephanie Hart, 16, and Nick Kunselman, 15, were gunned down in Jefferson County, Colorado at a Subway restaurant on Valentine's Day. Colson worked at the Subway restaurant where Hart had came to visit him. Witness to the shooting described seeing a 5 foot 8 inch tall white male leaving the scene. The killer has not been caught and the murders remain as another word on the town of Littleton, Colorado. The same town where in 1999 Two teenage boys murdered 13 people in Columbia High. A young couple was buried side by side. Hmm. I am going to save this picture and upload it to the website so y'all can see it too. Okay. Here we go. Our next story. Couples go to dance, later found strangled in the woods. They've got one too. In 1971, murders of Jesse McVean, 20, and Patricia Main, 19, in Durham, North Carolina, haunt the community to this day. The young lovers disappeared after attending a Valentine's Day dance at Watts Hospital. Police found McBain's abandoned vehicle on a lover's lane. Ooh, girl. Then they found their bodies in a wooded area, tied to a tree, and showing signs of torturous strangulation. A person of interest was investigated 42 years later, but no arrest has ever been made. How about woman leads partner on Valentine's Day, but not for long? 
and it's pretty interesting. You ready to follow along? Flowers, Words in the Future from Tamika Peterson of West Palm Beach, Florida. She had been living with her boyfriend, Paul Gibson, a three-time prison veteran, and decided to call it quits on Valentine's Day, 2011. Peterson arranged for a ride and left the home, but she wouldn't make it very far. Gibson pulled a gun and fired multiple shots into the vehicle, where four additional people sat, including a three-year-old girl. Ooh. Damn, didn't want to read that. Sadly, Peterson died at the scene, but justice was assured. Gibson got a life sentence, and he wasn't happy about it. Of course, I'll be showing y'all the photo in his mugshot. Okay, let's go for some more love jokes on Valentine's Day. Philandering spouse thinks murder is cheaper than divorce. Hires Mr. Results to do the deed. Hmm. In a tale, practically begging for a Hollywood imaging, Stacy. Okay, I'm gonna probably butcher this name, but bear with me. Showick. Okay, Stacy Showick of Georgia was sentenced to life in prison for her involvement in a murder for hire, a plot that resulted in the death of her fifth husband. Richard Showak, with guidance from a friend, Lanitra Ross. Miss Showak found personal trainer. What? Okay, what did I just read? Trainer come hitman. Okay. That that that's. I don't know. Called and we're not making this up, Mister Results. He shot Mr. Showick in a park where he was lured following Mrs. Showick's promises of a romantic trust. To add insult to injury, Ms. Showick was also having an affair. <laughs> Mr. Results was given life in prison with no chance for parole, and even though Ross didn't pull the trigger, she was given the same punishment. It's truth can be strange, very stranger than fiction. Parents walk in on a crime, don't realize it until it's too late. The Carlsbad, California murder of a developmentally disabled Jodine Serene, 39, played out like a nightmare for her parents, who saw her kill but didn't realize it was until it was too late. On February 14th of 2007, 
Serene's parents visit her condo and walked in on what seemed to be a man having sex with her in her bedroom. Embarrassed, the parents waited. For the couple to emerge from the bedroom, but they never did. Serene was found strangled to death, and the perpetrator vanished. The case remains unsolved. Dude, can you imagine that? How shitty her parents must feel. They witnessed it happen, thought they were just having sex, and then she's murdered. Bruh. Okay, that was a wild one. Okay. Young man slaughtered on the way to visit mom for lunch. There was no media coverage. Imagine that. The horrifying murder and dismemberment of Roshan Brazil, 19, took place in Brooklyn in 2005. Brazil was supposed to meet his mother for a Valentine's Day lunch never made it. Pieces of his body were later discovered in trash bags in a subway tunnel leading to Knoll Strand Avenue Station. Other parts were gruesomely found at the recycling plant. Brazil's murder received very little coverage, which critics attribute to the fact that he was African-American and homosexual. Man, it's 2023, people. But I understand at that time, no one really knew anything. Oh, that's horrible. The NYPD has kept the case open, but has no leads. A documentary regarding his case is in the works by filmmaker Tariq King. Our next one is a very <sighs> doozy. Valentine's Day triple murder still unsolved 35 plus years later. Colorado Springs, Colorado. She was a young lady looking for love, but instead she met a brutal end along with her two young children. It was extremely traumatic for the city. A detective in the cold case unit for the Colorado Springs Police Department. It's been 35 years since Cassandra Rundle and her two children were murdered. But for those who remember the case, the trauma still remains. I don't think anybody deserves to be murdered, but especially when you start talking about children, they're so young. There's no reason why nobody would have motive to murder them. Please say something or sometime early on February 14, 1985, 37-year-old Rundle, along with her 12-year-old son, Dietrich Sturm, and her 10-year-old daughter, Melanie Sturm, were killed inside their Ivy Lead neighborhood home. For Colorado Spring Police Department, it's our only unsolved triple murder. And not only that, but there are two children involved. 
So the case itself is pretty traumatic. The crime shocked the quiet neighborhood, and everyone wanted answers. A ton of detectives were involved, not just detectives from the homicide investigation. A lot of the community was really involved in trying to solve it. A lot of people had called in and tried to give whatever information they could to help solve it. Unfortunately, it still is unsolved. They had tried to dig up old articles about the incident. The horrific crime made the front page of the Colorado Springs Gazette telegraph for days. A few grisly details were spared. According to the articles, one of Rundle's ex-husband, Douglas Peltzer, found the bodies when he stopped by for the morning with the Valentine's president. Police said all three had been beaten and strangled, and there were signs the two females had been sexually assaulted. It was pretty brutal murder for each one of them. At the time, police had plenty of suspects. They went through a lot of different people, a lot of people with different relationships with the family and the children and Cassandra, and so everybody was looked at as a suspect at the time. An Associate Press article published in 1985 said Rundle had taken out two personal ads in Colorado Springs, Sunday. Just months before her death, the first ad placed in July said, Blonde, green eyes, 5 foot 2, 95 pounds, seeking a rugged individualist and a free spirit, independent, well-educated, somewhat shy, sensitive, thoughtful, and enjoy life. I am a one-man woman looking for one good man. Please send photo in a short letter. The second ad. Placed about a month later said, warm, together, bright, beautiful, and modest lady, seeking friendship with a gentleman of quality and character, 30 to 40 years old. Police at the time said between the two ads, Rundle received responses from 85 different men. Whew. It's like the bachelor book of the earlier days. The potential suitors, now suspects, were all individually investigated by police. Officers also looked at Rundle's ex-husband, who found the crime scene as well. As her first husband, who lived in Ohio at the time, everybody was a suspect until they weren't. Cruz Rogers wouldn't say if any of those men are still considered suspects or if they have any new ones. However, she did say she has hope this case still could be solved. Generally, we're cold cases. Some of our biggest challenges is time, but that can also be one of our biggest benefits. Like many things, technology has changed a lot over 35 years, which Cruz Rogers said in another advantage. DNA is a huge piece in our investigations currently. So we reanalyzed the case. We went through everything. The evidence to see if something might be beneficial for DNA or fingerprints testing. Maybe that, you know, wasn't back in the day. DNA has been given a lot of credit in some recent solved cold cases, but... Cruz Rogers said witnesses are just as important. Okay, and we're back. People solve cases too. One witness stated, you know, in the statement, could possibly break it wide open and everything could fall together. Back in 1985, just days after the murders, Sergeant Joe Kenda. Ah, I know that guy. 
told reporters he believed the case would be solved relatively soon, which much has changed that belief has not. Just because it's 35 years later to us, there's no difference in the investigation. If you have any information about this case, you're asked to contact the Colorado Police Department. Currently, there are 93 unsolved homicides in Colorado Springs. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be uploading these photos to my website. Probably as soon as tomorrow. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So, remember, the website is thebutterflyqueen.link. Have fun. Have a wonderful time. Good night. Good morning. Whatever it is. It is me, you butterfly queen, and I'm signing off. I will talk to y'all next time on my next podcast. Talk to you then.